If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. The title of my message today is Renovation. Renovation. You know, I don't care what it is, if it's your home or the the church building here, any structure can use a makeover from time to time. Amen? I know some of you are picturing right now areas of your home probably that are saying, yeah, I could use a makeover here, you know, or a renovation here. Uh, One of the good things that did come out of the pandemic a couple years ago was while we weren't meeting for 10 weeks, you know this, we got a crew in here and moved the pews back to one side of the sanctuary, took down the George Jetson lights, that's what I like to call them. Remember those? Some of you weren't here, but they, yeah, they were, they were so old, they looked like part of the space age. Anyway, redid the sanctuary. We, we, we haven't completely redone it. There are more things we'd like to do when we're able, but uh, freshened up. Remember we had some old red brick here? And we were just able to freshen it up, do a renovation. And several years before, we'd done a renovation out in the lobby. And um, my wife has a list of things we would like to renovate at home. We're getting started. We're doing a few. Sometimes you just need a renovation. And I think that's true spiritually as well. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come, do a fresh work. Usher in a new season in my life. How many have a desire for that? You know, we, we're human beings. We, we get into routines, not only with our actions, but with our thought patterns. Am I right? Yes. And we just kind of go on automatic pilot, and, and we just kind of settle. And, and God doesn't want us to live that way. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself as much as you, because I'm just as susceptible to that as you are. And, and I just, I, I just, my spirit, as I was contemplating this message today, my spirit's just crying out to say, God, do a renovation in me. Do a, do a rebuilding in me. And so um, we're, we're sharing today from the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Ezra, chapter 3. Now, uh, Ezra is the story of the rebuilding of the temple of God in Jerusalem. You know that uh, the Israelites, uh, particularly the southern kingdom of Judah, was taken captive by the Assyrians. That took place in 586 B.C. They were captive for 70 years. The the temple, Solomon's temple, was destroyed, uh, left as a pile of rubble. And Ezra led a group of exiles back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Whether you call it a rebuilding or a renovation, it was a major project. And we're going to look at a few verses here in Ezra chapter 3. But I believe the elements recorded here 
In Ezra 3, uh, of the rebuilding or renovation, if you will, of the temple of God have spiritual import for you and me. They speak to elements of uh, spiritual renovation, restoration, renewal, whatever rebuilding, whatever phrase you want to use in our personal lives. So for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what are some elements of spiritual renovation? What are some elements of spiritual renovation? The first one that I find here is a renewed commitment to God's people. A renewed commitment to God's people. Verse 1 of Ezra 3 says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Notice it says they assembled as one man. Now, it could have said they assembled as a crowd. <laughs> they assembled as a mob. They assembled as a group. <laughs> but that's not what the text says, does it? It says they assembled as one man. I believe that those former exiles who had come together to not only rebuild a physical building, but to reinstitute the, the, the worship of God. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. They were committed to coming together, committed to coming together as the people of God. They came together as one man. They uh, came together in unity. I like the way Chuck Swindoll explained what unity is in his book, Home Again. He compared it to similar terms. He said that union has an affiliation with others, but no common bond that makes them one in heart. Someone said if you tied two cats together by the tail, okay, cat lovers, just it's not, it's just a for instance, okay? If you tied two cats together by the tail and hung them over a clothesline, see how unified they'd be. They would, they would have a union of sorts. They wouldn't be too unified, would they? He said that uniformity has everyone looking and thinking alike. Unanimity is complete agreement across the board. How often do we see that? Usually never. But unity, however, refers to a oneness of heart, a similar purpose, and an agreement on the essentials of faith. As these people gathered together, this wasn't the time for individualism. This wasn't the time for, uh, you know, everyone saying, hey, you know, I have ideas as to how this should go, and I think we should go this way. Well, uh, I disagree. I think we should go this way. You ever been in gatherings like that? How much is accomplished? That much, right? Because everybody has their own own idea. Everyone has their own agenda. This wasn't the case. They came together as one man. They realized that, that so much more could be accomplished when they came together in unity versus coming together uh, as mere individuals. Someone said that snowflakes are nature's most fragile things. 
You ever catch a snowflake on your finger or on your tongue? It's there for about two seconds, right? You see it dissolve? Fragile. But look what happens when a bunch of snowflakes stick together. <laughs> right? It can, it can snarl traffic. It can alter our schedules. Although after, after COVID, it's a little harder to have a snow day off, right? You can always work from home. But anyway, uh, snowflakes are fragile, but when they stick together, look what they accomplish. Similarly, you know, we, we can be pretty fragile. <laughs> we, we're, we can be, you know, imperfect to say the least. But man, when we come together with one heart and mind, when, when we unite, when we are committed to the, the, the gathering of the people of God. We are committed. We, we are of one mind. We are of one purpose. And, and what I'm about to say, I'm saying in love. Church, we need to be unified. We need to be of one mind. I, I heard about a, 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 a pastor who... And it had uh, prospective new members come together, uh, meet with him. And this fa family, young family, they came together and uh, met with the pastor. And they said, well, pastor, can you tell us what you have for us? What you have for my family, what you can offer to us? The pastor paused a moment and said, let me ask you a question. What do you and your family have for our church? What do you bring? Needless to say, he never saw that family again. And what has slipped into the church, and you know this, we know it, is a consumer mentality. You know? We, 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 we choose our churches like we choose what store we want to shop in next. I don't believe that's... God's uh, ideal for our involvement in the local church. I believe God calls us and plants us in a, in a local church body, whether for a season, so we know sometimes it's not forever, whether for a season or a lifetime, but he plants us in a local church and he says, I want you to become one with everyone in that church body. I want you to be involved. I want you to be committed to the household of God. Say, so Pastor Tim, well, you're talking about attending church on Sunday mornings. Well, that is part of it. That's not all of it. That's part of it. And I want to say this, you know, one of the things that the pandemic caused us to do was to upgrade our live streaming capability. I'm not saying it's the world's greatest, but uh, if you look back from the live streams we had just before COVID, it was pretty pathetic, Okay. So we were able to, and, and, and we're, we're glad to offer that service. I've had people from other parts of the country uh, tell us they've been blessed and, and, and watching our live streams and people who were, who were shut in and, and, and can't physically be here. And I'm so glad we can provide that service. But I want to say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm really stepping out on a limb here, but I'm saying this in love. Uh, watching church on television was never God's ideal. Ideal. 
And if you're watching today, and we tell you every week, we're so glad you're there. And I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I'm risking something here. But I say this to you in love. If you can't physically be here, we understand that. And we're so glad you can watch. But if there's nothing preventing you from coming to the house of God, I ask you, I plead with you uh, humbly and respectfully, please come and join us. Not just on Sunday morning, but please unite with us. Please uh, come and throw in with us and be united with us. We are stronger together than we are apart. We love you. We would love to see you. We would love to fellowship with you. We would love to have you with us. Please accept that in the spirit in which I'm saying it. I believe when God does a renovation in our spirit, and, and, and listen, my hope in, in sharing this message is that all of us would just get before God, whether today at the altar or in our private time, and just say, Lord, do a renovation in my life. Lord, do a, do a spiritual makeover in my life. Whatever needs to change, my attitudes, my routines, my actions, my priorities, God, just do a renovation in my life. And part of that spiritual renovation is a renewed commitment to the people of God. Notice I didn't just say to coming to church. I said that's part of it. But we need to be committed to each other. We need to be committed to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I thank God so many of you are. And I've heard examples of how you've ministered to others outside these four walls and reached out and served one another. And God bless you for it. I just say we want it to increase. We want to be unified like those fragile snowflakes uh, that are, uh, quick, quickly disappear when they're on their own, we can come together and do something mighty, do something big. You see, I don't believe our greatest days are behind us in this church. I believe they're ahead of us. But, but, but critical to that taking place is us having a renewed commitment to the people of God, to one another, to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to see our involvement in the local church as a holy calling, as a divine commitment. Let me ask you something. If you came to church this morning expecting me to preach and, I, I, and lead worship and I wasn't here, would... Would you, I'm not talking about vacation. I, I missed, uh, you know, a couple weeks over the last uh, uh, two months. I, I'm not talking about with somebody here to fill in, but if the time came for the service, there was no worship. The time came for the message, and nobody was up here. I said, boy, that pastor, Tim, he's shirking his duty. What's wrong with this guy? He has a, he has a, it's understood, he has a commitment to be here and to preach to us and to lead worship and to carry out his duties. That's his calling. You'd be ticked off, wouldn't you? You should be. But here's a little secret. My calling is to be the pastor here and to serve in my pastoral calling. But each of us have a calling here. If God has led you here, and this is your church, you have a holy calling. And though it may not be as apparent, though it may not be as dramatic or as evident when uh, you absent yourself uh, from coming together as part of the body of Christ, I'm, I'm uh, boy, we're going to lock the door so nobody leaves, okay? Because I'm really, I'm, really, uh, I'm really stepping on toes today. But, but when you shirk your responsibility and your commitment, it just as emphatically affects the body of Christ. There, I said it. 
commitment, a renewed commitment to God's people. Church, we need to fulfill our calling. We need to be people who are committed to one another. We don't always agree. We don't always see things the same way. But we hold to the essentials of the faith and we love one another and we support one another and we are there for one another. Well, I'm never needed. I just come and fill up you. You don't know how much you'll be needed. You, God may lay somebody, when we're spiritually sensitive, God may lay somebody on your heart and you can pray for them, you can talk to them, you can encourage them, you can minister to them. Spiritual renovation involves a renewed commitment to God's people. Secondly, spiritual renovation involves renewed commitment to worship. Look at verse 2. Then Jeshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of God, of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it accordance with what, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then, in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. I'd said before, they were not only committed to rebuilding the physical structure of the temple, but they were committed to reinstituting the worship and the sacrifices that God had ordained. I believe that when God does a spiritual renovation within us, we have a renewed commitment to worship. A renewed commitment to worship before the Lord. Worship is so critical. Have you ever been with someone and, and you're trying to communicate with them and they, they don't give you their full attention? You ever had that happen? And, and they, they, they just kind of look over you sometimes, maybe in a, in a, a, you know, a, a, a room with other people. It's almost like, what are you doing, looking for a better offer? <laughs> you know, looking for a more scintillating conversation? You know, or, or they're just not, they're, they, they don't give you eye contact. How does that make you feel? It's irritating, isn't it? You know, and, and if, you're, if, if you're bold enough, you might say, hello, earth to so-and-so. Or you might just go your way and feel, boy, that person really wasn't listening to me. What a, what a contrast with someone when you talk to them and they look you in the eye. And they, and they do what some of you are doing right now. They just give you a, a little nod of the head. You know, I, I remember someone coming to see me in my, in my office one day, and, and we were talking, we were conversing, and I was talking to them, and they looked at me, but their head never moved. They were like this. Like, the whole conversation. And I'm like, and, and you know, you look for those visual cues that someone's with you, right? And, and I'm just... Am I saying something wrong? Is, is there food in my teeth? What, you know, what is, what's, you know, 
but usually we, we just give a little nod of the head and we, we give, uh, you know, we're, we're focused. That makes us feel, hey, I'm being listened to. I'm being focused upon. How do we think our Heavenly Father feels when we come to church and we're distracted by our phone, by other things, or when we're, when we're singing songs of worship, and singing isn't the only way we worship, but we're, 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 and, and we're just kind of looking around and people watching and just kind of, we're, 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 we're disengaged. How do, you think, how do you think God feels? He feels like you and I do when that person is looking over our heads while we're trying to talk. Ignored. But when we, when we come into God's presence, and it's not just on Sunday morning, it's in our, in our private life, we just get along with God and say, God, I'm here to meet with you. God, I'm here to focus on you. For this appointed time, Lord, I want to lift up your name. Lord, I want to glorify you. Lord, I want to enter into your presence. I'm generally the type of person when the alarm goes off, I, I have an alarm uh, radio uh, set to a Christian music station, and um, when it comes on, I, it jars me. You know, I don't know how you are, but I shut it off. I, the fastest I ever move was, is moving to shut off the alarm, you know, to quiet it down. Um, but I remember, remember one time uh, a while ago, a song came on. It was actually a song we sang last Sunday, Above All, how, describing how the Lord is above all powers, above all wisdom, above all wealth, and just extolling the virtues of God. And I came on, and I did what I don't normally do. I just sat there and listened to the music. and had a, had a spont- I, re- I remember it because it, it was just so unusual. I just had a spontaneous time of worship first thing in the morning. Um, and, uh, and I'm not the greatest morning person, but man, I've just, I just, and, and, and we need, not only, not only on Sunday morning, we need those spontaneous times of just worship, just entering into God's presence. According to George Barna, eight out of every 10 believers, listen to this, eight out of 10, 80% do not feel they have entered into the presence of God or experienced a connection with him during the worship service. If, if, if that percentage generally holds true, that means 80% of us don't feel like we've entered into God's presence today. Oh, as pastor, I just shake my head. What are we doing wrong? Where, where, where are we misstepping? God wants to meet with us. Amazing things happen during worship. Do you know that? Burdens are lifted during worship insight into thorny problems, uh, questions and problems that we don't have the answer to. They can come to us in a time of worship. When we're, when we're weak physically and, and spiritually, emotionally, when we're just drained. Do you ever have times like that? And I know the last thing we do sometimes is feel like doing is worshiping. But when we just enter into God's presence... And say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to worship you today because I feel like it or because I'm on top of the world, but because of who you are. Because you're my creator. You're my deliverer. 
because you're the awesome God who spoke the universe into existence, because you're eternally worthy. I'm just going to enter into praise. And we filter out the distractions and we enter into the presence of the living God. He's more than ready. He is there. He is at the threshold. There was an old song one time that said he's as close as the mention of his name. He is there. He is ready to commune with us. And if you're here listening online and, and you've never or rarely felt that you had entered into the presence of God, let me encourage you, both challenge you and encourage you, you can enter into the presence of the living God by just focusing on Him. You say, well, I don't know how to start. Just focus on who He is, how wonderful He is. Has God been good to you? Is there anybody here you say God's been good? Focus on how wonderful He is to you how much he's blessed you, how faithful he is. And then focus on his works, his greatness, his awesomeness. Word of God says he spoke and the universe came into existence. That's an awesome God, church. I believe when there's a spiritual renovation, there is a renewed commitment to worship. Notice it says here, in verse 3, despite their fear of the peoples around them, they were in a hostile area. You know, every, all the territory around them wasn't entirely secure. They, despite their fear of the peoples around them, what did they do? They worshipped. What that says to me is, there will always be things going on around us. Right? There will always be turmoil. There will always be... Uh, anxiety causing things in our lives. Well, I could worship if I just didn't have all this weighing on my mind. That's exactly the time to enter into worship. Despite their fear uh, of, of the peoples around, they entered into worship. There, there will always be turmoil. There will always be a whirlwind going on around us. But we need to enter into God's presence, not just on Sunday morning, every day of our lives. Time spent in God's presence is never, ever, ever wasted. Amen? Amen? In his book, Unceasing Worship, Biblical Perspectives on Worship and the Arts, Harold M. Best writes, Worship is the continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I can ever become. As part of this spiritual renovation, let's... Uh, let's have a renewed commitment to worship Almighty God. Sunday morning, Monday morning, any time, any day of the week, we have the privilege of entering into the presence of the King of Glory that we sang about today. How about you today? I want to have a renewed work, a commitment to worship. How about you? A commitment. Not worship when it's convenient, when I can squeeze it in, but I'm committed. I want to be a committed worshiper of Almighty God. What's the third aspect of spiritual renovation? It's renewed commitment to service. Renewed commitment to service. In verse 8, it says, In the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem began the work, appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Jeshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hadbiah, 
and the sons of Henadad and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. Commitment to service. Every one of us has at least one major spiritual gift and, and, and often many others. When we are uh, being made over by Almighty God and when that spiritual renovation is take, taking place, I believe there should be a corresponding commitment to serve. God, and, and we get a little uncomfortable when the, we get to this part of a, a sermon like this, God calls each of us to serve to be involved in his kingdom. And, and I am so thankful. We've been so thankful for over 30 years for the many, so many of you and others who have served in this church body. What a blessing you are. But one of the things I've found, and you know, this is true of churches our size. This is true of mega churches and every church in between. There's always a need for more workers. It, trust me, it's true. The evidence backs it up. And I believe God's design is that every believer who has a place in the local church find a place of service. We were not made to just absorb. We were not made just to receive. Well, I come to church to be blessed. Well, that shouldn't be the focus. I come to church to receive something. Thank God when you do receive something, that shouldn't be the focus. Renewed commitment to service. Some of us are like a horse in South Korea. What does that mean? Well, there's a horse in South Korea that's become a YouTube sensation. He's perfected the art of playing dead whenever someone approaches to ride him. His name is Jing Gang. He is dubbed the world's most dramatic horse. And you can look it up on YouTube. And when someone approaches him to ride him, his legs buckle, he theatrically collapses to the ground and closes his eyes at the mere sight of a prospective rider. Can you help out in the children's ministry? Oh, collapse. Can you help out with the outreach? Oh, jing jang. Pastor, ask me for a kidney. I can do that easier. <laughs> Why are we so averse to serving? I believe sometimes because our idea of service can be a little self-centered. Uh, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster put together a brief comparison uh, between self-service and Christ-focused, self-focused service and Christ-focused service. He said, self-focused service is concerned with impressive gains. It enjoys serving when the service is titanic or growing in that direction. Christ-focused service doesn't distinguish between small or large. It indiscriminately welcomes all opportunities to serve. Self-focused service requires external reward, appreciation, and applause. Christ-focused service rests content in hiddenness. The divine knot of approval is sufficient. 
Self-focused service is highly concerned about results. It becomes disillusioned when results fall below expectations. Christ-focused service is free of the need to calculate results. It delights only in service. Self-focused service is affected by feelings. Christ-focused service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. The service disciplines the feelings. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Do we need any more exhortation or encouragement to be willing servants of Almighty God? If you're here today or watching online and you say, Pastor Tim, I want to serve, but I don't know how or I'm hesitant, we will help you. That's, that's, that's part of what we're here for. We appreciate so many who serve. It takes so many to carry on a ministry. And I say this lovingly. If, if you're here sitting in, this pew, in a pew or watching online and you know God has placed gifts within you and capabilities within you, uh, and, and you're, you've been content to just kind of sit and absorb, I want to say to you, let God do a renovation in your heart when it comes uh, to service and say to yourself, I want to serve. I want to find a way. I'm not sure how I can serve. I want to talk to somebody. I want to find out where I can serve. I want to get involved. I want to do what I can do because it's a holy calling. Renovation. Renovation. I don't know about you today, but I need a spiritual renovation. I'll, I'll just confess that openly. You know, whether, whether it's, you know, one room of your house or another or the whole structure, what's the, what's the, what's the first step in having a renovation takes place? It's seeing the need, you know? Maybe you go visit someone else and you see something. Oh, they, that's neat what they did. Not that, not that we compare to others or have to keep up with others. That's not the point. But you just come and, you know, oh, look at that room. And oh, I could use a facelift. You know, that is seeing the need. And all that I've shared this morning will go for naught if each of us individually don't see the need for a renovation. And my prayer for us today as a church body is that each of us would say, Lord, I see the need of a spiritual renovation in my life. Lord, do, do an extreme makeover. Lord, change what needs to be changed. And what are some of the results of that when that takes place? First, there is a renewed commitment to God's people. We are committed to one another. We want to be unified. We want to be with one another. We, we, we want to do life together. Secondly, a renewed commitment to worship. That we uh, place a premium on lifting up the Lord and entering into his presence. And thirdly, a renewed commitment to service. I want to find my place and fulfill my calling.